Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. Good morning again, and we are in a series called Table Talk. And we've been talking about marriage, and we've been talking about parenting over the last several weeks. And Allison and I had the privilege last week of talking specifically on parenting. And so we're going to go back into that uh, this week. But we figured as we begin, uh, we might want to show you some memes and quotes that are pretty uh, fitting and all too real if you've ever parented before. So uh, let's go ahead and go through those. Bedtime is the leading cause of dehydration in children. (laughs) If that rings true, say amen. All right. Number two, 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can lie down again. Okay, when you make, you strive, and you make stuff for your kids, this is how I feel when they won't eat, then go ahead and starve. Next one. This is so real for me. (laughs) Parenting at 8 a.m., parenting at 8 p.m. Any dads identify with that? That is me, so bad. Being a mom means kids banging on the bathroom door like the SWAT, asking for a drink while you're in the shower, while dad is currently in the kitchen. I will say, where's your dad? He's on the couch. Go downstairs and ask him. The quickest way for a parent to get a child's attention is to sit down and look comfortable. (laughs) I cannot tell you how many times I just sat down and immediately they flock. I love when my kids tell me that they're bored, as if the lady standing in front of a sink full of dirty dishes is the place to go to know how to have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Just let this one sink in for a minute. Just let it sink in. Literally, literally, let that sink in. Did you poop? No? No, Come on. Seriously? What is that? No, no, I didn't poop. Parenting is yelling, you just had a snack, over and over and over again until you finally give in and, and throw, throw them another, another snack. snack. <laughs> I have named lunch snack at my house and everyone eats all of it. You're right. It's a snack, come get it. Yep. At the doctor's office, please don't touch anything, toddler. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite. This is for like all my like-hearted mamas right now. When you're trying to get your screaming toddler in the car, you know how they arch their back and they're like yeah. impossible to get in and you're like sweating and someone compliments your dress and you say, oh, thanks, it has pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my all-time favorite one. For those of you that are in the Star Wars, once I became a parent, I finally understood the scene where Yoda gets so tired of answering Luke's questions, he just <laughs> dies. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done I'm, answering I'm so questions. Done. I'm so done. <laughs> oh. Do the last one. Oh, when people, <laughs> when people without kids tell me how tired they are. Okay. I just smile. That's so nice. Fun. That's So sweet. nice. So last week we uh, focused primarily on two different things. The first was we uh, focused on the phases of parenting. And Allison really clearly communicated that so brilliant, brilliantly. And I would encourage you that if you're parents uh, and you didn't get a chance to to take a look at that, this is for parents that are in every age, or this is for students or kids that are in every age of life and parents that are in every phase of parenting in their life. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But for today, we also talked about intentional parenting versus default parenting. 
And for today, I'm just going to review those things as we get into it, uh, because that's where we're going to focus primarily today. So the differences between intentional and uh, <clears throat> default parenting is first and foremost, intentional parenting is present. Present, which means that you are engaged. You are actively engaged with your kids on a consistent basis. The other thing is that it is proactive, proactive. You're future focused, you're planning. How many of you have ever heard that quote that if uh, failing to plan is planning to fail? Uh, it's, it's future focused, it's, it's being uh, proactive, it's avoiding potential issues before they would ever come around. And the last is that it's purposeful. Now, default parenting, on the other hand, is preoccupied. You're preoccupied. You're, you're there, but you're not there. You're not necessarily actively engaged with your kids. You're focused on other things. Your thoughts are at other places. And when you're preoccupied, yeah, you're, 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 you're I, we used this last week, but you're almost parenting through um, your phone or the TV being the thing in between you and your kids. You're, 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 you're focused on other things. Uh, default parenting is reactive. You're, you're trying to fix what could have been avoided. We know that some things can't be avoided, but when you're proactive, you can avoid so much. And last but not least about default parenting is that it's kind of doing the bare minimum. You know, you're, you're providing food, clothes, some toys, uh, a place to, to lay their heads, leave me alone. Just doing the bare minimum. And so, you know, but we know this, that we can't default parent because parenting is a calling. We can't default parenting because parent, parenting is a calling. And the reason why parenting is a calling is because children have a calling. That's right. And so it is our responsibility as parents to do what we can to direct our kids in the ways of the Lord, but also to identify what their calling is. Yeah and lead them in that. And that requires us to be intentional in the way that we parent them. So Allison, what are the ways that we can be intentional as we parent? I'm so glad you asked. What a great <laughs> question. So the first area of intentional parenting is what we titled boundaries. So what is boundaries? Our boundaries we defined as two things. Boundaries clarify freedom within limits and boundaries protect from potentially destructive things from outside of a boundary. I, I, I automatically think of like a fence, right? If you have a yard free to run around, the fence also keeps maybe neighbors, dogs, burglars, whatever, it protects your kids, right? So we see intentional boundary created with these two purposes in mind in Genesis 2, right from the very beginning. God then the Lord God took the man and he put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any of these trees of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat from it, you will surely die. So what do we see in this verse? Who's the parent? Well, God is, right? He's Father God. He created Adam and Eve. God was parenting Adam and Eve. And isn't it interesting that the first thing he does when he puts them in the Garden of Eden is he creates boundaries, yeah. right? He clarifies, okay, in this garden, you're free to eat anything, right? You have freedom except don't eat from this one tree. Yeah. So he clarifies their freedom within their limitations. 
Not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was to protect Adam and Eve from the harm that that tree would, would cause. He was trying to protect them from the destructive thing that he knew would come if they ate it. Listen to me today. We have to be intentional about creating boundaries because kids don't know boundaries. Sometimes adults don't know boundaries, right? Like boundaries are hard. They need to know that there's freedom that they can have, but they need to know the lines, right? The freedom within the lines. Yeah. If human beings were born with innate boundary sensors, like there wouldn't be sin, right? Like if Adam and Eve could have adhered to those boundaries, then sin wouldn't have entered into the world. But God knew that we're human. He knew, he, you know, he foreknew that we would make mistakes. And so he taught boundaries. We learned boundaries from our parents, yep. and kids are going to learn boundaries from you, from their parents. Now, here's the danger if we don't, if we aren't intentional with creating boundaries. If we don't create boundaries, your kid is going to grow up thinking that there are no lines that can be crossed. And as a result, they will become frustrated yep. with consequences that are put on them from lines that they didn't even know existed, right? right? It is a disservice to our children to not intentionally create boundaries. Whether you establish boundaries in your home, they're in the world. Right. Yeah. And they will, they will have boundaries in the world, so let's create them in our homes. It helps our kids succeed. And, part of, part of, and this is just a practical reality of raising kids. And this is not even just like raising kids in a Christian way, but part of our responsibility is to raise just good citizens. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so uh, they're not going to be good citizens in the world if they're not good citizens in your home. Right. And that right. requires them to understand boundaries and that you create and clarify what the boundaries are. And so let me just uh, really quickly talk about two things that boundaries do for your kids specifically. Boundaries become the training ground for self-control. Mm -hmm. The training ground for self-control. How many of you know that self-control is a muscle that you have to develop? Right. It's a muscle that has to be trained. It is something that needs to be developed. And so what boundaries do is it provides the landscape or the, the, the domain for your kids to learn and practice and develop mm -hmm. self-control. Self-control is never developed without the opportunity to practice restraint. Right. It's never developed without the opportunity to practice restraint. And so when you create boundaries in your home, you clarify all of the freedoms within those boundaries, but you clearly communicate these are lines that should not be crossed. How many of you know kids have to practice restraint right. so they don't cross the boundary? Well, that's how self-control is developed. I, I think of James. Perseverance yeah. must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Where is perseverance developed? In moments when you have to persevere. When you have to do it. There is no other place where self-control is developed in a kid unless you create boundaries and they have to practice restraint. Look at uh, Proverbs 25, 28. This is such a sobering scripture to look at and consider when you think about a kid who grows up that has no boundaries. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. 
Wow. Every child, man or woman, has to be tempered. Their impulses have to be tempered. And boundaries are a way in which we practice that tempering. The second is this. Boundaries provide safety and security for children. Safety and security for children. You want to uh, find a kid that is, uh, uh, uns- feels unsafe and insecure and has low self-esteem, they have little to no boundaries in their life. And we actually see this not just from a spiritual standpoint, but we see this uh, from a practical and even psychological standpoint. There have been study after study after study done of kids uh, on playground, um, ki- uh, school playgrounds and the effects of, lacks of lack of boundaries. Listen, a study was done on the absence of boundaries and its psychological effects on school children. They studied kids who played on a playground without offense versus kids who played on a playground with offense. If the kids had no fence, what did they do? They would go to the center and they would huddle together, close to the building or to a door. They would never venture out beyond that. What were the kids doing? Innately, they were creating a boundary because one didn't exist. Safety equaled a boundary. And so they created one because one wasn't there. But when kids had a fence, it was entirely different. The kids would scatter all the way to the boundary, out to the edges, and they would run up and down the fence line. They, had, they understood, here is the uh, limitation for my freedom, but here also is where I can be free. And it's just so fascinating. Why? Because the fence boundary created a sense of safety, confidence, and security. And this is the thing that is so important and so true about developing boundaries. There's a direct connection between a lack of boundaries and low self-esteem in kids. When you don't create boundaries, your kids will lack the security, safety, and confidence that develops within staying in boundaries. Creating healthy boundaries provides an opportunity for you to affirm and praise your kids for staying within the boundaries. We, that's what happens. It creates a place for you to be able to affirm them. And we know, we know this as adults. It's called expectations in the workplace. Here's what you can do. Here's where you don't cross the line. And what those expectations create is an opportunity for your managers and the people above you to affirm and praise your work because you met the expectations. If you've ever been in the workplace and you felt insecure about your position, it's because you did not know what was expected of you. And so we see this even within the home that if you want your kid to have a positive self-esteem, praise and affirm when they meet your expectations of staying within the boundary, when you create those things. See, kids, um, they, they always, uh, it, it just gives us the opportunity to do that. And so creating boundaries absolutely matters. So what does this look like in a practical sense? I've got three different uh, places that, that boundaries need to be created. Number one, behavioral boundaries. Uh, this is the um, act like you've been, where, been somewhere before. <laughs> act like you've been somewhere before. But you know what's so often the case? And let's be, if this is the truth, how many of you have ever said that 
or something along those lines to your kids, and it's actually your reaction to your failure to communicate the expectations in the place. Or we as parents get embarrassed that our kids are Absolutely. acting away when they weren't even told. We how say to act behave. like you've been somewhere before and, and they, they don't know how they're supposed to act because you never shared it. Right. There's never been a teaching, a training, a clear, you're not going to do this, you can do this. I'll never forget as a kid, uh, we would go to Kmart and shop and stuff and we would be out. I mean, you know this as a kid, like the clothes racks, you're yes. in, in the inside of the clothes rack all the time. And it was just like chaos and madness because we're going from, from clothes rack to clothes rack. And it was that same, I, I, I remember the frustration of my mom. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is not the place for that. And that's what these behavioral boundaries need to be. You need to identify the time and place that we're in. We will go to the library. Yeah. Where are we going? The library. Is this a park? No. Do we run in the library? No. How do we act? quiet, walk, right? But like you're just having these clear conversations when I say, why are you running, right? They know, oh yeah, we've already talked about this. This is not how we behave in the library. And it is unfair to discipline your children for an expectation you never communicated. Mm -hmm. You have to communicate that. The reason why we have the conversations going into the library, going into a store, it, the conversation doesn't guarantee that the kids won't violate the boundary. Right. No. But what it does guarantee is that we will be consistent when we administer discipline because you knew what the boundary was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I'm not gonna spank you because you're embarrassing me because I did not, I did not communicate right. what was expected of you. It's a different way of disciplining. And so um, <clears throat> behavioral boundaries. I remember a time early on when Gideon was probably five, and he was, uh, and all of his friends were running around the church, and I was in the youth lobby because we were having a student leaders meeting, and so there's other kids running around the church, they're coming in, and they're like, come on, Gideon, and Gideon's like, takes to go off, and I'm like, nope, and so he ends up sitting there, I said, you're going to sit here, and so uh, they keep on coming in, they're trying to pull him, and I'm like, and he's looking at me like, can I go, and I'm like, no, you're going to sit here. And so he eventually looks at me and he says, Dad, why won't you let me just run with them? And I said, because you have the privilege of me being your father. You're going to sit here and act like you've been somewhere before because the church is in a jungle gym. Now, this is hypocritical because Zeke runs everywhere. I was like, everywhere. Hey, Zeke and Ella weren't born yet. Because so y'all know by the third kid you give up. Don't lie. Pray for us, please. But I said, you have the privilege, and I meant that. It's a privilege for you to have a father that cares about how you behave. Yeah. You're not going to just be acting a fool, running around, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And so, as Allison said, we have a lot of times where we have those conversations. Another uh, boundary is attitude boundaries. Attitude boundaries. Uh, practicing gratitude. Like saying thank you. Right. Here's an attitude boundary. Look them in the eye. Right. Look, th that's an attitude. If, like, that is, oh gosh, when my kids do that, that is, I want to spank out of anger. Let me be, a, because it's so rude. Hey, you're going to respond to an adult that's talking to you. Right. That is rude. It, there's no excuse in my mind to just ignore someone because here's the other thing. We all know this about uh, adults. Like, 
adults talking to kids requires an a, a adult to be vulnerable, right. you know? And so it's like, hey, uh, you're going to acknowledge that they spoke to you. You're going to look them in the eye, and you're going to answer the question. I will never forget. Our, I, I, Aunt Jill, Gideon had to have been like three or four. Yeah. Poor first kid. We already said we signed him up for prayer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but one morning she said, good morning. All he had to do was turn and say good morning. But for whatever reason, his little stubborn heart did not, would not say. And so I said, <clears throat> we stood there until he would look up at her in the eye until he said good morning, and it, it's like so painful, and you're like, just say good morning, like it's not that hard, right, but like whatever moment, like we stopped and took the time, and Angela was so gracious, because she just stood there, because I'm like, say it, you know, like, <laughs> with the look, and I was like, you're going to look her in the eye, and you're going to say it, and we're not leaving this situation until you say it, and it made me think back to like our sermon last week, is that teaching and training period of when your kid is from like two to seven, the consistency and the time, right, yeah. and and I, I don't remember. He must have said, finally said, good morning. And, and then I think three years later, she brought it to my memory. Like, do you remember that moment when he wouldn't? And now, if you were to say something, you know, he turns and, and would say it. Now, it's not always, like, the most cheerful. But he will turn and acknowledge you as, as a human being. But it was just like, I had forgotten about that situation. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, so taking, I guess my encouragement is take the time because it, it does bear fruit. The third place that uh, we establishing boundaries is recreational boundaries. Um, that is limiting how much time they're on social media, on TV, video games, things like that. Now, one of the reasons why we do that is because um, that's fun, but life isn't always fun. And if, I want you to think about this. Your kids go to school, they come home, and if they have no recreational boundaries, especially applied to those things, and the moment they get home, they are playing video games or on social media, on their phones from the beginning of when they get home till bedtime. What it reinforces is that life is fun. And then they have a problem going from teenage years into adulthood when you're doing things that aren't fun all the time. And this is something that we've had to, to work with Gideon about. He's 11 years old. He thinks life is fun. Life is not fun all the time. And so we're going to limit the times that reinforce that life is fun all the time because it's, there's a healthy dose of that, but there's an absolutely unhealthy dose of it. It's just setting your kids up for reality, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. yes, you can have fun, but as an adult, like, how much time do we really have for, like, just whatever we want to do, right? Like, yes, there is time for fun, and we will get to that next week, but yeah. life in itself is not a continual, like, video game party we usually we usually do in our house we usually do something called no screen november my kids love and it's, it it's it's no tv <laughs> it's no video games it's nothing like that and honest honestly it's just a detox yeah because they can't handle it right. like part of you developing boundaries is understanding what your kids can handle and what they can't yeah. and that's why you have to develop them and so we did no screen august because we were going on a trip to myrtle beach and so we, we took the entire month off from uh, screens and everything because we knew once we got in for the long ride, if we put something on, they'd be like, because <laughs> they had gone without it for so long. Mm -hmm. But we were like, no screen August. They were like, this stinks. It doesn't even rhyme. Because yeah. <laughs> we, we normally do no screen November because it goes yeah. in. As if you've ever been at my house and you see the sheet lying around yeah. because for whatever reason we have this big full sheet and it I put it over the TV at night and when yeah. the kids wake up they just know 
Yeah. Right? Like they're not turn turning the, the TV, TV on, but they don't yeah. ask. Right? Yeah. But if the TV's off without the sheet, they'll be like, can we watch TV? Can we watch TV? Can we watch TV? And I'm like, no, you already know the answer, but just doing that. But it's not just social media, video games, TV. Yeah. It's also establishing boundaries on who your kids are playing with. Exactly. Do you know who they're playing with? Do you know who they're, who, whose houses they're in? Can I tell you, I got exposed to pornography in houses that I shouldn't have been in. That's, that's, where, it, that's where it started. Okay? And so these, those are boundaries. Now, I know that you can't, you, it requires so much vigilance and so much mm -hmm. to like be able to do that. But do the best you can to know the families, mm -hmm. not only the kids your kids are around, but the families that they're around. And it's not like out of fear because we can't no. be helicopter parents, right? Like we can't be with our kids 24 seven, but there is wisdom, yeah. right? Like asking the Holy Spirit, give me checks. You know, who, who should my kids play with? And, and I, you know, with video games, I talked about this last week, but yeah. I earned, learned this from Aaron Coolidge on Xbox. You know, Gideon, we have, we have the Xbox and the TV in the basement and Gideon, that's kind of his lair. You know, like that's where he goes down to the dungeon and like he plays video games and stuff. But we leave the door open to the, to the basement because we want to listen to the conversations. You know, I'm going down there and I'm going through his messages and I'm like, who's this person? Who's this person? And you know, you guys have to understand, especially with Xbox, everybody can contact your kids. You actually have to go in and shut that off from, a lot, from people just being able to send your kids messages. So it's so important to develop those, those um, things. So boundaries is the first intention. What's the second? So the second in, um, intentional parenting is discipline, which totally goes hand yep. in hand with boundaries. So where boundaries are the lines, the expectations that you have established, discipline is well, what happens when those boundaries are crossed? What happens when I step over the line? What happens when I don't, when I don't meet expectations? Discipline is what we like to call in our house purposeful pain. <laughs> So it teaches our children that when a line is crossed, that there's consequences. And sometimes those consequences hurt. And I don't mean like we are physically abusing our kids, right. but sometimes the kid, like no screen November, like that hurts their little psyche. You know, like they, you can feel it. They can feel it. So it shows that there is freedom, just like the fence, the playground. There's freedom within these limits. But if you cross that line, you will have to deal with the consequences. Um, I like to think of this because I'm kind of like a nerd, but Newton's third law of motion, which states for every action, yep. there is an equal and opposite reaction. If you do this, this will happen, right? Like if you cross the line, this will happen. Um, I have a meme that, <laughs> so it's me taking away my kids' privileges. I'm on the limb and I'm chopping my sanity, right? Like. <laughs> I think one of the reasons why parents sometimes don't want to discipline, don't want to follow through, don't want to ground, don't want to take away things is because those have become entertainment and babysitters for our kids. Like, let's be honest. Yep. Like, when we do no screen whatever, like, do you know, like, it takes our intentional parenting to a whole nother level because what do you do after dinner until bedtime? Right. We have lots of games, lots of conversations, yeah. you know, and like they do go play by themselves and stuff, but it, it makes, it's purposeful. Like you, you're, you're interacting and engaging with your kids at a whole nother level. Um, Can I say something? Yes, please. So with video games and all that stuff, one of the things that I want everyone to understand, especially even with social media, is that <clears throat> the overstimulation mm -hmm. feeds impulsivity. Yes, 100%. And so that's why you have to detox. 
our kids' behavior, the reason why when we do No Screen November, the kids' behavior becomes, after about five days, becomes outstanding. Mm -hmm. Because they no longer have this impulsivity that is being fed by overstimulation with TV, you know, I don't like this show, let's watch something else. I don't like this show, let's yeah, watch Yeah, like when you're else. fighting about what show yeah. to watch, like we're done, right? Like here you are having your screen time yeah. and they're fighting, I'm like, no, we're done. Because yeah. this should be a reward, not a privilege, yep. right? Yep. Um, so just being consistent in your discipline. Dr. Dobson, who is amazing, if you have not read any of his books, just Google his name and just get one. They are so good. Um, but he has one about the strong-willed child, and the strong-willed child is just that kid that wants to like touch or test, test. every boundary. Yeah. I remember Ella one time, she was two, and I was like, don't touch that, and she looks right at me and goes, like, <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? You know what I mean? But you're right. just like, right. <laughs> Why? Why are you making me have to discipline you? Um, but he says that you spank for deliberate disobedience yeah. and not out of anger. Yeah. So you're not spanking for childish behavior like a kid spills milk. Like those things happen. But it's like the deliberate disobedience. I told you not to and they went and did it is when you spank. And um, last week we did talk about like the parenting stages. I think spanking in its most effective years is from like two to seven um, because after that, I feel like there's things that cause more pain to a child, like when you can take away their video games, right. you take, take away their tablet, you take away, like Ella loves these drawing videos that she does, we take those things away because they begin to have more of a effect right. than just a spanking, because they're like, oh yeah, just spank me, like right. my kids will say it, because number one, it doesn't really hurt them as much anymore, and they know it's real quick, right, like, oh yeah. Or it's like, no, dad's gonna spank, no, no, anything, <laughs> anything else, mom than dad. Um, but. The yeah. discipline also has to match the crime, right? Like, yeah. don't yeah. over-discipline for something like that isn't as big of a deal, right? Like, we don't want to elevate everything because then, like, our kids can feel like they can't make any mistakes. Mm -hmm. And how many people know, like, that's not realistic. Like, constantly as an adult, we're constantly making mistakes and we're learning. Like, we're all life learners. And so it's like, let the discipline meet the crime. And, and <laughs> there's a difference between disciplining kids because they're disobedient and disciplining them just because they're being annoying to you. Yeah. Right. Or that's because where, they embarrass you. That's where you I feel too. like things cross mm -hmm. the line. Yeah. You got to figure out what that line is because it's like, are you spanking them just because they're annoying you and you're just annoyed? Or have they crossed the line? I mean, we like, yeah. Yeah, there I are mean, times when like my kids have been deliberately disobedient. <laughs> I am very annoyed and I will say, you need to go to your room. I'll be up in a minute. Okay, they're in their room so I can calm down, right? I yeah. always like joke, I'm like, it's for their safety right. <laughs> that they're in their room, right? Like, because yeah. I need a minute because I want to discipline with the right heart. And sometimes right. I just know my limits, like I need a minute from you so I can calm down and then we can go and have a legit conversation um, and I deal with a discipline. And you, you, you don't discipline kids um, for things that are just part of their personality. Mm. Zeke is high energy. Yeah. I could want to spank him just for him to calm down all the time. But he's high energy. Did you read my notes? Because I have an example of no, I, Zeke. I did, yeah, I did it's see like, that. So, like, okay, we homeschool. Everybody knows that. And, like, he has all this energy. And I had warned him, Zeke, sit down. we got to get through this. He's sit down. And finally, I was like, you know what? It's obviously not working. <laughs> so my discipline for him, which exerted, you know, pain to him, was he had to run around the house three times. Now, we have half an acre, so he had to run, and he was not allowed to come back in until he ran. So we all went to the window, and we cheered him on. We're like, there's one. 
you know, there's two. And he's like, I don't want to do it anymore. It's like, no, I, I gave you, you know, expectations, and now these are your consequences. So it's like, yeah, I could have spanked him, but would that have helped the problem? Right. No, he obviously had energy in him that he needed to get out. So I had to find a punishment to meet the crime. And sometimes as parents, this is where we can get, like, frustrated and feel overwhelmed because like all of our kids are so different they all respond to discipline differently but I have been like holy spirit I need an idea right like you made my kid you know what makes them tick like give me an idea for this kid because every kid responds Zeke we call him mini Dwight he loves people he is like in the life of the party he doesn't be left out so like his discipline is going to his room oh it kills him because yeah. he doesn't know what's going on right. like he but Ella would love that because she would go up to her room and she would just reorganize and decorate for hours yeah. you know like so it's like you really do have to know your kid and apply um, she rearranged her room like last week she, at 9 30 at night yeah I thought she was sleeping I go in there I'm like why are you doing anyways so we are disciplining our kids not out of anger but because we love them yep. we love them Revelations 3.19 says, those whom I love, this is God speaking, I reprove and I discipline. Reprove means to correct gently with kind intent. This is you not disciplining out of anger. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So discipline is not done when you're angry for what your kids have done, but it's disciplining them because you love them. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children, and those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Wow. You would hurt your kid more in the long run by not disciplining them. Yep. And we see this over and over again when it comes to discipline. Proverbs 23, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. (laughs) I love that. He'd be all right. (laughs) Verse 14, you shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from hell. Wow. That one is a powerful scripture. Um, So you're not doing yourself a favor and not disciplining your children. Look at what scripture uh, says about what uh, disciplining and when you need to do it. The Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. My God, I think about the phase that they're in. The critical phase of disciplining your children is the phase of hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And that goes back to when, when you don't communicate boundaries and then you don't say this is the consequence for crossing a line, they grow up thinking that they are um, immune from any discipline uh, or consequence whatsoever. Um, It goes on to say in Proverbs 22, uh, 15, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Another example is Zeke. So uh, Zeke is amazing, high energy and everything, but He's got a predisposition to be so rude. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. And it's, it's, it's like bossy. Like, um, it'll be breakfast and he'll be like, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. It's like, who do you think you are? <laughs> and then, like, there's been times where Allison's been making him cereal or something. And she'll place it in front of him. And he'll be like, I didn't want that cereal. I wanted that cereal. Why did you give me that one? It's like, what? Who thinks? Why do you think you're allowed to talk that way? So I was overhearing this one morning, and Allison was like, you need to apologize to me because you're being very rude. And so I come into the room because I've I've learned this from Pastor Dwight, but I've learned this in other places. Like, that's your mom. You're not going to disrespect her that way. And so I come in, and she's like, you need to apologize. And Zeke looks at me, and then he looks at Allison, and he laughs. 
And I'm like, oh, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> you just crossed the boundary. <laughs> so I said, go to the steps. So it goes to the steps. So I go up to him, and I said, <clears throat> uh, number one, you're not going to disrespect your mom. Number two, you disrespected me by looking at me and your mom and thinking that this was a joke in a game. Mm -hmm. And so I'm spanking you because of your disrespect uh, with, with Allison. And so he stands up, and I'm like, turn around. So I spank him. Of course he cries. Now, one of the things that I learned from my dad is my dad would, would spank me, but he always came in, and he affirmed me afterwards. Right, right. So, so I, I spanked him, uh, and then I turned him around, and I said, look, I love you. And I always hit him with this scripture, and I know they love it. But in Hebrews, it says, God disciplines those he loves. So I look at him, and I said, listen, I, I'm disciplining you because I love you. And God actually calls parents to discipline their kids because he wants them to know that, that they're loved as well. And so, so and we... So later... Hold on. Are you done? No. So we, so, we, so we pray together, and part of the prayer together is that he... And, and we'll get to this in a moment, but I want him to recognize that his disrespect to his mom is also a sin before God. Yeah. So he needs to repent to God for the sin of being disrespectful to his mom. So we pray together, and then I'm like, now you're going to go make restitution with your mom. You're going to go apologize to, it, to your mom. But in the moment when I was looking at him, he said, when you have a bad attitude, I can spank the attitude out of you. That's what I told him. So we do all this, and then I go to work, and then go. Yeah, so... It's like maybe 10 or 11 o'clock during the day, and you can tell that this moment had been festering in him in a good way. He had been thinking about it, because we're in the middle of nowhere, and he goes, Mom, I needed that spanking. <laughs> he said, spankings are good, because they knock the attitude out of you. <laughs> he said, and boy, Dad's hurt real bad. <laughs> but like after that moment, like he was a gem all day long. Yeah. But, like, he even recognized. <laughs> Sometimes we joke about this. Sometimes we, like, pre-spank our kids. Oh, we did. Once it's where, it's like, it's like laughs, I just know. I know. I just, the way you woke up. You woke up. And I know you'll morning. need this later. So I might as well give it to you right now so you won't need it. No, no Caleb joking, had but. left early, like, <laughs> six or something because he was preaching, hadn't had time to finish it. And they all woke up just like we all do on the wrong side of the bed. And I was just like. Because uh, I know, it's going to be those days where I take each of them to the bathroom and spank them. So I was just lined them up. And even getting he looked at me, I was like, yep, you too. <laughs> I now, was like, please spank them all. Here's the point that I want to make about why discipline is necessary. We discipline our kids because they recognize that they need something. They just don't know what they need until they experience it. And in Zeke's experience, he knew he needed something to arraign his behavior he just did not know that it was the discipline that he had for me until he had it. Right. Mm -hmm. If you notice, he came back and he said, I needed that. He didn't even know what he needed right. until he had it. Right. So we discipline our kids. Not Here's the thing. Newsflash. Your kids will never think they need discipline. Right. They will never. Matter of fact, this is what our kids used to do. This used to make me laugh so bad. To avoid a spanking. They would discipline themselves and be like, I'm going to timeout. Yeah, Ella would always I am she just... would know. She'd be like, oh, that was real. I'm going to timeout. Like, just so she, yeah. Anyway, but so your cute. kids don't know they need discipline 
until they experience it. And it's our job as parents to recognize what they need and to give that to them. Here's my last two thoughts on discipline. One is we need to discipline our kids because we believe in their potential, right? We use disciplines as a mean to affirm our kids. Yep. When they do something, I will say, um, like, you, the way you hit your brother was not the way that God created you to be, right? Like, God created you to be kind. He created you to be loving, and what you did was not okay. Um, Think about a horse, and I always just think of Grant because she is... My horse reference to anything is a horse that is unbridled and untamed is um, like destructive. They are free. They're not their potential has not been um, harnessed per se contained. But a horse that is trained that has been uh, bridled is amazing. Right. They're so useful. A workhorse can accomplish so much. But they have been trained, they have been taught, and they have been broken. That folly has been driven out of them when I think of a kid. Um, And there's a saying in sports is, you shouldn't be mad when your coach is yelling at you. You should be concerned when they aren't. Because that means they've given up on your potential. Right? If someone is yelling and cheering for you, that means that they see greatness in you. When we discipline our kids, it's like, nope, you're better than that you're going to behave like this, right? Nope, God didn't create you like that. You're better than this. There was a time where I was talking, to, or Gideon was talking to me, and he said, Dad, I feel like you're being too hard on me. And I said, listen to me. I said, I'm being hard on you because I am not going to let you become less than you can become. I refuse to let you become less than you can become. And so that's why I'm being hard on you. You will thank me later in your life for being hard on you in these areas because I'm not letting you become less than you become because you have potential. Discipline is about bringing the potential out of your kids and refusing to settle for less. Yeah. And it's, it's all done with a heart of love, right? Like yep. we love what God gave us. We believe in their potential and we use discipline to affirm who they are. Um, they're not bad kids, they made a bad choice, yep. right? Like there's a difference, like your actions were bad, you are not bad. Yeah. So to be able to communicate that. When I discipline my kids, the one thing that I'm intentional is I look them in the eye and I tell them, that is not who God created you to be. You are not rude, you are not mean. And so when they have to pray to repent, it's they repent of that action, that heart attitude, That's because that's not who they are. Yeah. They are better than their behavior that they just acted out. And when we do this, we are using discipline to elevate our kids to another level that you're better than that. Yeah. So discipline isn't just purposeful pain. And this is where we're going to kind of wrap things up. Uh, It's also the development of daily routines. So discipline is purposeful pain, but it's also the development of daily routines. Which can also be painful. Which is also (laughs) painful because, once again, life isn't fun all the time. Mm -hmm. And so daily routines, we talk about chores, we're talking about social manners, uh, daily structures and order. And by the way, God is a God of order. Mm -hmm. So he has no problem with with you doing this. Notice at the beginning in Genesis, the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters and out of chaos, he brought order. Mm -hmm. And so daily routines are part of discipline. Um, These are the muscles of daily life. Look at Proverbs 22.6 because this is where I see daily routine. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. When you are intentional about developing daily routines, 
You are teaching your children that there are things in life that you don't want to do, but they must be done. They must be done. And that goes back to like video games. Like, yes, it's fun in in its proper time, right? There are things that need to be done. And I got to praise my wife because these kids... When they, gra- when they get out of the house, they're going to know how to do laundry. Yep. They're going to know how to fill the dishwasher. They're going to know how to cook. They're going to know how to do all these things. Why? Because she's done this job of developing routine and structure in the home. And these are things you're going to do, whether you like it or not, because this is what it's like to be a human being. <laughs> okay? Um, and so your kids will never want to brush their teeth every single day. Okay, that's part of routine. You're, you're responsible to, to train them that. They may, may never want to clean the room or take a bath. Lord knows take a bath. Or wake up for school, but it's your responsibility to establish the routine because parenting is about raising healthy adults, not healthy kids. You're raising, and you're raising healthy adults right now, not when they're adults. Everything to prepare for adulthood should not be learned in adulthood. There are things you can teach them now that will put them a step ahead when they become adults, but you have to be intentional. And listen to this quote. Snowplow parents prepare the road for the kids. Responsible parents prepare the kids for the road. Resilience is built not by eliminating struggle, but by normalizing it and teaching kids to see obstacles as temporary hurdles. We're not eliminating problems. We're not avoiding these things. We're using them as training ground to understand this is a part of life. It's an obstacle that you just have to deal with and overcome. The, the biggest phrase that I hear from all my kids is, it's hard. I don't know when hard became bad, right? Like hard does not equal yeah. bad. Hard means it's new and you need more time to practice it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yes. you know, so, it, it, it's like with anything, it's never, it's okay that it's hard. We've had this conversation. As adults, we have to do hard things. Yeah. If you avoid anything that has to be hard, when are they going to learn that muscle yep. of, oh, I can do hard things? And we have a phrase, God created us to do, and the kids say, hard things, right? Like God created us to do hard things. And there's things, I mean, the kids don't want to do. And, you know, one of, one of them uh, that we got a dog and... You know, here's the other thing, <clears throat> and I want to encourage fathers and, and, and moms with this, is that sometimes we, we, prepare, we prepare the road for the kids because we love our kids so much we want to avoid all pain mm-hmm. all the time. But they grow up not prepared on how to deal with it. And uh, so we see we got a dog, and this is not mom and dad's dog. This is the family's dog. This is not our dog. This is your dog too. So you're going to have responsibilities and duties with the dog because we didn't get this dog because we want a dog. Let's we got not this lie. dog because this is your dog. No. Okay. <laughs> so listen. So one of the things that Gideon hated all the time is taking the dog out and bringing the dog in. Taking the dog out, bringing the dog in, and he used to hate it. Yeah. And I would tell him all the time, "Do what you hate until you love it." Right. Do what you hate. I'm an adult right now. I can tell you the stuff I just do around the house, chores, whatever. I hated that as a kid, but I love it. I feel like I'm killing it and accomplishing when we get these things done. What happened? You just do it long enough until what you hate, you learn to love. 
And now every t- I'll, Gideon will be down in the basement. Hey, you got to bring Jubilee in. Okay, gets up and goes and does. No griping, complaining, or anything. Why? Because he did it long enough. What he hated, he learned to love. It's not even a big deal anymore. I always say, learn to love what must be done, right? Yep. In life, there are things that just have to be done. It's your attitude, you know, that goes with So we it. can't estimate, uh, underestimate uh, not only that discipline is purposeful pain, but also discipline, discipline is daily routine. And we can't disconnect how it's, uh, it's impacted and connected to spiritual life. I want you to listen to this quote. So Elizabeth Elliott, who was the wife of Jim Elliott, uh, missionaries to Ecuador, Ecuador, said this, and it's so good. The spiritual training of the soul must be inseparable from practical disciplines. <laughs> Caleb stole that, that my, some of my notes was, is like God in Genesis hovered over chaos, over yep. the darkness, and he spoke and order came, right? Yep. On day one, it was dry land and the seas, like order was becoming. And our kids don't know how to bring order to their chaos. Right. That is our job to model it, to create it, to give them structure so that one day it can become their own. If we don't create structure for them, like, hey, you got to get up for school, they're not going to one day, like, get up and want to go to a job. Right. Right? Like, it doesn't just automatically happen. Yes, your alarm goes off. I can attest to that. I have never been a morning person. (laughs) Never. But you got to get up and do it. Like, it's still not fun for me. It's hard. But I still have to do it as an adult. You got to get up for school because... I'm preparing you for real life. This yep. is your job. Yep. Part of daily routines is determining what chores and duties that um, they will be a part of. And even like with your own families is like, what, are, what chores are your kids going to do because they're part of the family? And what can they go above and beyond for to get paid for? Yeah. And we believe like, I'm not paying you to unload the dishwasher. Which is our personal belief. You ate off of that fork. <laughs> I provided you a meal you can put in the dishwasher and unload it. That's I may be hard, whatever. But we also want them to know that there are things that are above and beyond yeah. that are worth a wage. Yeah. Okay, that's teaching them in- incentivization for, for later when they'll have jobs and stuff. Yeah, and, and there is a bazillion resources. If you go on Pinterest and just Google chores by age, you will get 9,000 different things that people have done, chores by age. I mean, there's some at two. Uh, Ella loved to fold the washcloths and put them in a drawer. I mean, kids love opening drawers and put stuff away. Make it useful, right? Put yep. that in the drawer. You know, they'll get it out again, but then you're teaching them to put it back away. So, yep. um, yeah. So uh, we're going to close. Um, well, let's just have everybody stand. Yeah. And just to review really quickly, number one, intentional parenting was um, present, it's proactive, and it's purposeful. Default parenting is preoccupied, it's reactive, it's just doing the bare minimum, and we can't afford to default parent. We have to be intentional because our kids have a calling, and parenting is a calling. It's it's a responsibility. Uh, And there were two significant areas uh, to be intentional in, creating boundaries and also practicing discipline. You know, boundaries clarify freedom within those limitations, but they also protect your kids from what could be on the other side of the boundary. And in practicing intentional discipline, we've got purposeful pain, which is administering discipline when it's needed, and also establishing daily routine. So my question this morning for all of the parents, now I know this doesn't really apply to every parent in the room. Okay, there's probably a lot of people that are amening because they were just looking back at their past, you know, uh, moments with their kids. But if you are a parent in the room and you have kids in your home, 
between creating intentional boundaries and practicing intentional discipline, which one do you believe that God wants you to grow in? Which one do you want, do you believe God wants you to grow in most? Maybe one of the two you didn't think was that big of a deal. But with the scripture and just things that have been shared, you've maybe had a, a change of heart. Which one do you believe that God wants? Maybe some of you have believed in both, but you've kind of like waned in an area because you're just tired, worn out. And, and this is kind of like the motivation to get back into that area and be more consistent in it. But I can tell you that if we're right in the middle of it, middle of it. And I can tell you that when we are consistent in these areas, it really pays off in the behavior of the kids. And so if you're in the room and you feel like God has been speaking to you about one of those areas, I just want to pray for you uh, at this time, just specifically, just right where you are. But if you, if you felt like God kind of spoke to you about uh, one of these areas, just slip your hand up. Awesome. Awesome. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the privilege of parenting. God, even in the baby dedication, we talked about how children are a reward from you. So God, I just pray today that we, that you would maybe um, open our eyes to the rewards that we have in our home. God, that we would see them differently, that today would be a fresh start, it would be a new day, and in our approach in parenting, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the grace and the wisdom to identify what boundaries need to be made in our homes. And God, you'd give us the grace and the consistency to discipline effectively. God, to discipline what's, when it's necessary, to discipline when it's needed, to not discipline out of anger. But Father, even give us the strength and the consistency to develop those daily routines that our kids need so that they can be trained to become healthy adults right now. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom from your word, and we pray a blessing over every one of our parents. We know, God, it's not easy. We know it's so much work, but I pray that you would just infuse every parent in the room with just a refreshing energy and a fortitude to stick with it to be consistent, and Father, to become intentional rather than default. Be intentional today. Help us to, to understand the weight of the calling we have and the calling that are on our kids, Lord. We pray that we would do it to glorify and honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.